0: My ancient laptop has spun up and seems to be working and sending something to the projector. I think we can start. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day that you have called us to gather together. Uh, We're here to worship you, and we're here in this hour to study your word, and we just pray that you would be with us. Would you uh, enlighten us, illuminate your word to us, uh, that we might uh, grow in our faith and be encouraged. And we pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, <clears throat> we started this study back in the middle of January. It's now three and a half months later. Uh, this is the last chapter. This is the culmination of our, our study. And uh, unfortunately, we've had about three weeks since the last class. And so we've had three weeks of uh, opportunity to forget what we were talking about. And so I'm going to try to it all back together again, and uh, hopefully, uh, we'll all be encouraged by our, our study this morning. <clears throat> the uh, interesting thing about this is that I, I, I have, in studying this, I've been thoughts and verses and things that people have said have have come to my mind, and it's it's almost like uh, the covenants have uh, increased. Uh, my ability to focus and to see things and to connect things. Uh, the, the saying is that uh, in the Bible, there's a scarlet thread of redemption running through it. And for sure, that thread uh, runs through uh, the covenants that God has made with us and uh, leading to the uh, the covenant of redemption we have in Christ. Um, I've been blessed by this study uh, if you've spent an hour a week reading this, I'm, I hope that you've been blessed by looking at this. Uh, the interesting thing is, um, they have these little booklets, these Old New Testament pocket uh, Bibles, and they contain New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. And really, if you're going to get saved, this is probably good enough. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, if you're going to get saved, if you read the Gospel of John, that might be that might be good enough. Also, since John says in explaining why he wrote it was so that we might believe. But if all we have is the New Testament, we don't have the, the history, we don't have the narrative, we don't have the documentation of God's faithfulness. And in studying the covenants, uh, I think we see the link uh, from covenant to covenant culminating in Jesus Christ, uh, who brings a new covenant that's in his blood Which really is uh, the home run that hits it out of the out of the park. Uh, Anyway, uh, let's 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 move ahead. Okay. Um, (coughs) Going back to uh, kind of an introduction, just try to get us back into in tune into this. The covenants teach us an unfolding mystery of God's God's plan, and if you look through the covenants, there's seven of them, uniquely, is seven, that number's of some significance, uh, beginning with uh, the covenant of creation, which is not not really called out in the Bible. The The word covenant does not appear during the creation account in, in Genesis, but starting very soon after that with the Adamic uh, covenant, uh, we, have, we call it... Uh, Palmer Robertson calls it the covenant, covenant of commencement. And it's the commandment, commencement of this war against Satan, what he has done in, in deceiving Adam and Eve. Uh, in the Noah covenant, God promises to preserve the world without uh, drowning it out and destroying it, like as he, as he had done in the, in the flood. Uh, Noah is uniquely selected with his family uh, to go forth and continue what, what really Adam and Eve were uh, assigned to do. And then God calls Abraham, Abraham obeys. And there's this great promise that we have in, in the covenant with Abraham. The Mosaic covenant comes to really give us the law to uh, really show us God's holiness. You know, I, you look at the, the Pentateuch and especially in Leviticus and you see all these instructions for uh, how the, the temple is to be constructed you know, what the curtains are going to look like, what's going to be coated in bronze, what's going to be coated in gold, all the utensils. And you go, what the heck is going on? And, you know, when you start reading this stuff, it kind of puts you to sleep. And I've heard people say that, you know, that's really what I should do is read Leviticus and I can help solve my, my sleep problems. But we see the holiness of God, we see his will, and Robertson calls this the external communication of the will because uh, here we are, sinful creatures. And here we have this list of uh, commandments that we're supposed to follow, and it's an external force upon us to be obedient, and uh, God communicates his holiness and his, uh, his law to us. And then finally, uh, the Davidic covenant. We now have this connection between uh, the kingdom of uh, David, Israel, and the kingdom of God. So why a new covenant? Uh, If you've been reading along, you know that uh, the Old Testament is is full of uh, indications that a new covenant is necessary. Uh, There is hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that are fulfilled. I have a Bible at home. It's uh, the walk through the Bible. And it actually uh, has an open star in the Old Testament where there's an Old Testament prophecy that points to Christ. And then in the New Testament, there's a filled in star. It says this is a fulfillment of that prophecy hundreds of prophecies. Uh, but without, without the covenants to pull it all together, uh, you have individual verses. This verse in Isaiah is fulfilled in this verse in, in the book of Matthew. And, and you don't have this, this framework, this uh, continuity of how God is continually working. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Andrew was, was preaching through Ecclesiastes and his phrase, this phrase kept coming up. He says, "God is working, God is at work," and really, in studying the covenants, while he's you know sharing that in his sermon, I said, "Yeah, he's been working all along, and he keeps on working, and he keeps on moving to that finish line, that objective, that of of uh, the relationship, our God, His people. That's what he's after. That's what he was after in creation, and even though Satan." knocked uh, the train off the tracks, uh, God is working to put it back and he's promised to put it back. Uh, so there's failures, there's covenant failures where God had to uh, in, invoke the, the penalties, uh, remove Israel from the land. But the prophets are very clear. Uh, so many, so many uh, Old Testament references to the new covenant that something new is required uh, there's something that's going to happen that's, that's never happened before, uh, you know, to re- remove our sins that, that God doesn't see them anymore. You we go, well, how does that happen? Does God get amnesia? How does that happen? I hope by the end of this class, we'll see how this is going to all come together. Uh, I have some verses here. By the way, uh, Lee, I can email this this PowerPoint to you. Anybody who wants this, don't worry about it. Don't you don't have to copy things. I'll I'll, I'll email it out to you or or Andrew wills. Uh, but there's some references here that that kind of support. But there's there's many references that support that something new is required. Slide four of twenty four. <clears throat> okay, this is a, this is an attempt for me to put together on one sheet, and you can't really read it. Uh, but but. Basically, I list, the, I list the covenants and I have, I can't even read it. Uh, so I have the name of the covenant that, that Robertson gives, the scripture references, who's involved, the connection, objectives, uh, uniqueness of each. Uh, I, I try to identify whether conditional or unconditional, it gets a little more complicated. And I finally to, kind of gave up on this and said, let's just get down to the good stuff. Um, you know, I, I thought about what was happening in, in the uh, Mosaic and the Davidic covenant and says, yeah, you know, the law's given, all these rituals are supposed to be followed, and Israel just fails miserably. God has to continually judge them. And, you know, you, you look for a verse, and, and, and I stumble across this and said, this is it. In one verse, sums up the problem, what's going on? Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. And that's just this, this cycle that kept going on and on. And then I, I came across the NIV translation, which in this case, I actually like the NIV translation better. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they were wasted away in their, in their sin. We are kind of, you know, by our sinful nature, hell-bent to sin hellbent to uh, be disobedient and it's just captured in this psalm uh, that's really the issue dave did you raise your hand yeah the, uh, the term iniquity has this connotation where it's not just the act but it's the repercussions of the act where you like shoot yourself in your foot yeah We're, we're wicked uh, beyond uh, comprehension. We, uh, we are continually, it's, it says in the Bible, that we, we come up with new ways to sin. We're so imaginative, and we're so bent on sin. Uh, yeah, and there, and there are consequences, and you go down paths, and just like you think of, of David, the, ch- the choices he made. Uh, yeah, God forgave him, but there were consequences that he had to live with. Yeah, definitely very negative. All right, so <clears throat> here are some passages where we see the Old Testament is anticipating something new. And we're going to take a look at these because uh, they're very, uh, uh, well, they're just, just good to read. And I, I actually, if you had read the chapter, uh, you would have read this. So let's, let, let me read through this together. I've got some, you know, bold highlights that I, I put in there because they kind of uh, punctuate some of the critical elements of this. Uh, So Jeremiah writes, uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. There it is, a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Husband, there's that magic word. Remember that, husband, wife, Uh, The marriage covenant we're going to discuss a little bit later. Declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There's that primary objective, we're reminded, our God, his people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. There's that that, that major emphasis. All the sacrifices year after year, day of atonement, uh, the altar was just covered, drowned in blood year after year because uh, we continually sin, Israel continually uh, sinned against, against God. And here we have this, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Amazing. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for the light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Um. One thing that's happened to me in studying the covenants these past three months is, and when I'm reading scripture, now I'm just saying, "Oh, yeah, that's that, that's that's a that's a a, a point re, a, per, pertaining to this covenant back there. This this verse is is pointing back to this covenant, and even in this passage here that is pointing to the new covenant, uh, in verse 35." Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for the light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. This is a promise. It sounds like he's, he's saying, if this happens, Israel's gone forever. But really, he's, he's pointing to the reliability of the promise of uh, the sun and the moon rising, the stars being on their course. God is never going to have the, have the flood again. And I said, gosh, it's, it's, it's the promise uh, to Noah that he will never destroy the world again like he did. And it's also pointing to the fact that something more permanent is, is needed. Otherwise, God would just have to be, every couple generations says, okay, we're at the threshold Flood again. There'll be flood after flood after flood throughout history, because we're just we're just wicked. Whoops, did I go too? Okay, Ezekiel. Let's see. For thus says the Lord, I will deal with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath and breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways. And be ashamed when you take your, your sisters, both your elder and your younger, and I give them to you as daughters, but not on account of the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded, and never open your mouth again because of your shame. When I atone for you for all that you have done, declares the Lord. Uh, I think you see, again, something new is required. And then from Hosea, we studied Hosea. Um, was it the summer before last? I'm losing track through the p- pandemic. Everything is kind of squashed together. Uh, <clears throat> but there you have Hosea pronouncing a lot of curses upon Israel, but always there's this, this gleam of light, this hope. Uh, and this is uh, also a great picture. Uh, when God commits to pursuing us, He's pursuing us like, like a husband who's wooing his wife, who's pursuing his wife. And, you know, you men, you know what it was like when you became interested in, in, in your wife, how you pursued her, you wanted to take her out, you wanted to be with her. That's, that's the picture we have of God pursuing us. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak ten- tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Acre a door of hope. And there she shall answer, as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day declares the Lord, You will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. This picture of, of, you know, uh, peace, even with, you know, wild animals that might fear us, or wild animals that we might fear. And the child's going to lay down with the lion. It's uh, it's pointing to a a tremendous peace. But verse 19 is really, uh, again, something that takes us back to this marriage covenant which God gave us on day six when he created us. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Again, pointing back to this this, uh, relationship that we have that God is after, uh, our God, his people. Um, This is a long this is a long passage, but I, I, I think it's worth reading. It was, it, was t- it was too big to put on here. <laughs> um, but I do, I do want to read it because it is also uh, a great picture of, of, of something new is required. Ezekiel 36, verse thir- uh, 22. Uh, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. The nations will know. This is, again, pointing back to that blessing uh, that that, was, uh, that God promised through Abraham's seed the whole world will be blessed. Uh, when, uh, I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will clean, cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land, uh, his spirit within us, and we'll be able to walk in his statutes. So just as the Mosaic Covenant gave us the law from externally, now we're talking about it being written on our hearts. And the Bible tells us that where our heart is, there our treasure is also. And if it's written in our hearts, we'll actually have a desire to obey God's laws. Uh, That's where we are right now. That's where we are since Christ came. And I will deliver you from uncleanness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again, suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. This is the part that's important. Verse 31 in Ezekiel 36. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. This is an amazing thing because... uh, we need a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. We need to repent of our sin. And only, we only get this sorrow from God. God has to give it to us because on our own, we just we love our sin. We wallow in it. We pursue it. Uh, but to get to this point where the Holy Spirit is residing in us and, and now giving, breathing life into us where we actually loathe ourselves because we we've, we've sin and we hate our sin, what an amazing uh, trans- transformation because of the Holy Spirit in us. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God On that day, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who pass by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which, I was, which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. So I think you see Old Testament's pointing to the need for a savior, a need for Christ, something new, a new covenant. The other covenants fell short, and the, con, uh, the consummation that we have in, in the Christ in Christ is uh, the fulfillment. Also, even just, you know, Moses is revered by the, by the Jews, and, and look what he said in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, it is to him... You shall listen. So he, he, he waved the flag. He says, look, somebody like me is going to come later, and you should listen to him. So the the faithful Jew, in knowing the Old Testament, would read this. They'd be looking for someone, looking for someone like, like Moses. And Moses himself said, this is the person. This is the person you should listen to. Um, I wanted to make this point that... Uh, the Old Testament, if, if, if the faithful Jew studied the Old Testament, really believed, they would see all of God's promises, and even through like very very difficult times. So uh, in the ceremony with, with Abraham, where Abraham is informed there's going to be 400 years of enslavement, if the Jews knew that, if they remembered that, and then they found themselves in, in Egypt, and they found themselves being treated like slaves and, and slave labor and building pyramids and whatever, whatever, it would have reminded them, oh, there's this great promise. There's still hope, even though we're suffering right now. And, and in, this, in this verse uh, here, uh, pointing to the Christ who's coming, it's interesting that Malachi is the last prophet in the Old Testament, and there's about 400 years before Christ appears. It's the same time frame where they awaited being brought out of, out of Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years. So this, sudden, this silence of 400 years, no prophet speaking, and Christ appears. It should have been like, Moses said this. Somebody's gonna be raised up, and we've been waiting, and, it, and, and now he's here. And it's amazing, you know. Uh, you have all this written down, but it, it, it's, faith is not something that we conjure up ourselves. We don't figure it out, right? God needs to enlighten us. God needs to breathe life into us first. All right. uh, God is uh, still on plan A. Our God, his people, he wants that covenant relationship, that bond, uh, but we're enslaved to sin. He's gonna punish it, and uh, yet through it all, God is long-suffering and is single-minded on his purpose. He's going to have his people, and we're going to call him our God. Uh, we just studied uh, Joel. We had a sermon series, and Joel makes this uh, prophecy. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. All right, so I, maybe I've beaten a dead horse here. You have all this, these Old Testament uh, passages, uh, information saying we need something new. God is is working toward that. So we have now in uh, the New Testament the fulfillment. Uh, we have uh, we celebrate the Lord's Table. This cup is the new covenant, which is in. Uh, my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It's the new covenant. This is the one that that uh, fulfills everything that's required. Our sin separates us from God. This is the covering of all the sin. God remembers it no more. Uh, and how does he do it? How does he write this stuff on our hearts? So we read these verses. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Um, in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So not only is there this cleansing that takes place by the Holy Spirit, but now we're empowered to go forth and spread the gospel. And this is this is the great nation. This is the great nation that was promised to Abraham. This is the blessing that's going to be poured out on all the peoples of the earth. Uh, God is fulfilling His promise. Also in Acts chapter 10, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. That was a shocking thing. They had to deal with that and adjust to it. In 1 Corinthians, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. Uh, this, this amazing thing, you know, God specified what the temple was going to look like, very ornate, beautiful, uh, all to specifications, measurements on everything, how, they, how big they were supposed to be, what they were supposed to be made of. And now the temple is us, our bodies. The Holy Spirit has, re- has taken up residence in us. Uh, Chris Capelli and I have had discussions about the Holy Spirit a number of times in the past couple of decades. And we're always saying, yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't get really enough credit. He's the one that's that's really pushing us through. He's the one who's carrying us through. He's, he's counseling us. And it's, it's it's this amazing thing that now God has taken up residence in us, which is kind of mind blowing if we know that God is uh, light and there's no darkness in him and here he's taken up residence in this this body where the fleshly nature is alive and well, doing great, and he's still with us, in us. And, uh, you know, it, it's beneficial if we do not grieve the Holy Spirit and we submit to him. All right. Slide 15. Uh, that's good, good. We're moving along, good. Um, <coughs> Ephesians... Um, I have year-round allergies, by the way. I don't have COVID, so don't don't get too fearful about that. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, Ephesians one: blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. Again, I, I, I emphasize some of these because they're, they're kind of the key points of this. God, what is a bond? It's a union, it's a relationship, it's a powerful relationship. And uh, Christ is the, is the centerpiece. God is uniting all things in Christ. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. And this is, this is the part that is, should be tremendously comforting that he's, never, he's not going to let us slip out of his hands In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Uh, The Holy Spirit has marked us unto salvation, he's our guarantee. the language of, of marriage that we're betrothed to Him, so we're actually engaged to Christ. We're gonna uh, meet Christ and marry Him someday. So the Holy Spirit in us, you know, it's like a, like an engagement ring. It's like an engagement ring that that should we should, should remind us uh, that we're betrothed to Christ, that we're to be sanctified, and to be working toward. Uh, that day when we, uh, when we meet him face-to-face. Um, it also puts a lot of teeth in the, in, in the verse in, in, in Ephesians 4.30 where it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit who is given to us until the day of redemption. That, you know, when we uh, knowingly sin and we ignore the Holy Spirit and ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's sort of like this engagement ring that that marks us for marriage. You say, like we're despising it. Like, you know what? I want to take this off because I I, I really would like to go into this sin. This sin is really uh, attracting me. And we should, you know, remember that the Holy Spirit is residing in us and uh, we should be following his lead. And uh, that is something that to me was very sobering in in this study. I already mentioned uh, uh, Ephesians 4.30. So I I bring up Isaiah, and I brought this up before because um, I love food, I love good wine. Uh, Some of the best times I've ever had are around the table with my family or with friends, and we're having smoked ribs, drinking uh, red wine and and just really enjoying uh, God's provision for us. Um, And this this verse is pointing to another day. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, Uh, well-refined. Yeah, I'm there. I'm, I'm ready. This, is, this, is, this sounds really good to me. And this is pointing to uh, a future day uh, when, when Christ returns. In Revelation 19, it says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. So this marriage covenant, this, this concept of the marriage covenant keeps coming up. It was it was uh, given to us at the very beginning, in uh, Genesis one and two, and uh, Paul, Paul in in his letters to the Ephesians. He uh, he talks about how uh, the, the relationship relationship between a husband and a wife is like Christ and his church, and, uh, and he uses that to encourage you know men to love their wives. Wives uh, to submit to their husbands. But, you know, if the, if the, if the, if the husband is, is loving toward the wife uh, as like Christ loved the church, I don't see how the wife would, would uh, have any problem submitting to a husband like that. If the, if the, if the husband is loving his, his wife uh, as Christ loved the church. So this, this, uh, this guidance for that. And yet it's a picture of, of our relationship with, uh, with God. Jay. Is definitely an outward uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit within us, definitely, yep. All right, so, uh, maybe this is gonna reveal some of my insanity or maybe my confusion or maybe the strange way my my mind thinks, but uh, back last year when we decided on doing a study of the covenants, what was really hanging on my mind was the, the marriage covenant. Uh, I'd had opportunities to, to study uh, the wedding in Cana and, and dig into that and relate that back to the, the giving of the institution of marriage in, in Genesis. And I just, you know, it was, for some reason, I said, this is really fascinating. And I've never really thought much about what Paul said about comparing husband and wife and Christ in the church and God, uh, the husband of the nation Israel, that it's a a marital relationship. And yet, uh, God uses things that are familiar to us to teach us. Uh, So he he points to a future time when we're gonna sit down and and so we have, he describes a a lavish meal with fine wine and and, and meat. I said, yeah, I I know what that is and and that sounds pretty good to me. Um, And then he also uses, you know, in the negative sense, so he says, I, I am married to you, Israel, but you're playing the har are you're, you're out and you're being unfaithful. And we're told that God is a jealous God. And we think of ourselves like, yeah, if, if, uh, if my, my wife were unfaithful to me, I'd probably be pretty angry, probably have, have enough anger to, to, to kill even, I don't know. We know what it's like to be jealous. we're told that God is is jealous because we're unfaithful I said whoa and even even given that we see that he's still pursuing us and he's still chasing us down and he's still moving to bring us into him so here's the pictures that were on my mind I said yeah we got to dig into this because this is is, again uh, so you all remember the ceremony with Abraham great 15 minutes, um, and you remember he, Abraham divides the, the, the animals, and he's shooing away the birds that are descending on the animals, and then he's like falling asleep, and he's like, you know, laying on the side of the hill while God is uh, performing this, this ceremony, so what's going on there? You, you know what's going on, you remember the discussion. How do you explain what, what is being demonstrated in that ceremony? And I'm gonna give myself a break and I realize I've been doing a lot of talking, but mostly reading. <laughs> um, so in a nutshell, what's, what's being communicated in, in the ceremony with, with Abraham, where he's off you know, in a trance and, and he's smoking pot? What, what's, what's your explanation? Isaiah just raised his hand. <laughs> Tim, thank you. So, so. A little louder? So in, instead of the parties involved with the covenant going through and say, you know, I'll fulfill this or else it's my neck. God is taking that responsibility. He's, he's making a promise and the ceremony represents his oath that I will do it. And, it, and like you said, it's, there's a lot in there because ultimately a death is required of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, so going back to our definition a bond uh, uh, a covenant is a, is a bond in blood sovereignly administered so why why two things going through the, the two animals a smoking pot and a flaming torch you know we know that there's a uh, explanation of that in, in Hebrews chapter 6 it explains you know God couldn't make an oath. There's nobody superior to God to, to make the oath to, so he makes it to himself, right? But why two, two items? And you know, without that commentary in Hebrews, it's just so like we have to look at that and, and wrestle with what, what's going on here. So there's references to uh, God leading Israel in the wilderness. A, a flaming column of fire at night, and a, and a smoky cloud, a column during the day, and, and oh yeah, it's sort of like the, uh, the torch and the smoking pot, I guess. But I don't know. I guess I can. I can't really argue it, but I don't see it being all that that strong. Uh, I, I'm thinking that uh, what we have in the ceremony is really. God, all three persons, God the Father, overseeing it. I don't, you know, this is, Matt, am I off the track or is it possible? Are we being told that the three persons of, okay, yeah. Yeah. And any, I, any of them would say, this I, because yeah. the New Testament references and says this, we don't have that. Uh But it, it's uh, it's worth thinking, well, what are the realities that God may be showing us? Yeah. Also, I think, you know, uh, we're not supposed to believe the testimony unless there's two or three witnesses. So we have multiple persons or multiple witnesses here. Uh But it's not you or me. We are asleep in Abraham on the side of the hill. <laughs> it's not us. So God is making that, that commitment. So now let's, let's go through this, the second picture. Uh, marriage. Um, everybody knows what a marriage ceremony is like. Does a marriage ceremony fit our definition of a covenant? What do you think? Dave. have part breaking the but also marriage. Yep. So who's who are the players in a mar- in a wedding ceremony? Say again. I, I'm sorry I can't hear you. He bride and groom. Oh, bride and groom. Okay, yep, bride and groom. Who else? Uh, a, priest. a priest, yeah, a minister. And uh, this minister seemed to have some power, right? He's the one that says at the end, I now pronounce you man and wife. I would say, yeah, definitely marriage is, is a covenant. It's a covenant that's sovereignly administered. The minister is an agent of God. He's been delegated the, the power to pronounce you man and wife. There is now a union where there wasn't one before. They are now together, they're now one. There's vows that are taken uh, by the two parties. And this is where you know, we have uh, more of an earthly covenant because there's two parties here that are taking those vows and yet they're sinful. They're prone to sin, and and also, God in the Adamic covenant, He uh, said there's going to be conflict in that relationship, and so there's this this struggle. You know, we we know that that marriage can be challenging. We know that uh, they they can end in divorce, and God allowed uh, gave, Moses gave gave uh, them the certificate of divorce if if it came to that. But it was always this situation that God hates divorce. So you have the Abrahamic ceremony, a covenant, where the reliability, the faithfulness of God is saying, I'm going to do this. And we have uh, the wedding ceremony, two sinful human beings coming together, taking vows. Maybe that's going to work. Maybe it's not. So there's that second picture, okay? First one, God's taking the vows. He's making the oath. He's making the promise. going to happen. Again, the covenant marriage. Hopefully it'll work. Everybody's praying for it to work. Might not work. Might not make it. All right, about this day of redemption, blessed are those that are invited to marriage supper of the Lamb. Today's terminology, the marriage supper of the Lamb, what is that? A wedding reception. And the wedding reception follows what? A wedding ceremony. So there we have, again, okay, the wedding ceremony we just talked about. In this wedding ceremony, which is followed with this great feast of fine wine and, and good food, what's taking place in that wedding ceremony that it lies before us, where we who are betrothed to Christ will be married to him? How would you describe that scene? Because I, I don't think it's, it's in, the, in the Bible, but it's easy to, to move to that description. The bridegroom is Christ. He's at the front waiting for his bride. And that bride has been washed clean by his blood. He has given himself completely uh, to wash that bride, to present, it to present that bride to himself clean and without blemish. And we're the bride, and it's yeah, many people. And we're walking down the aisle to meet the lord and to be married to him but who's walking us down the aisle who was yeah he's he's the one that was given to us that has taken up residence us in these sinful bodies with this fleshly nature and he's working, and God is working, and he is, uh go ahead, keep going, Eric. I guess to add to it, I think often about how Jesus said it's better that I go, so it's like the idea that yeah. it's better that it's less about the physicality than it's more about the theory of the spirit, and so it's within and without. Yeah. Yep. So now the, the Lord Jesus is up in heaven. He's working too. He's interceding for us. And now the Holy Spirit is working here in us. Dave, you were going to say something? Where he's talking about the uh, uh, this mystery is, is such that okay well here's 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 my 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 point in the Abrahamic ceremony, God said he's going to do it. He's going to make it happen and uh, in this life since Christ came. He died for us so that we might have that forgiveness. And when he ascended, the great encourager came, the Holy Spirit, the one who convicts us of sin, the one who is our counsel and our guide, uh, to mark us into salvation and to sanctify us, to prepare us, move us toward preparation for that for that day. And ultimately, we we I I see the picture that. God is going to make that happen, and through the work of the Son and the, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, we have this great event, this day of redemption uh, that God has set before us. And we should be mindful of that, and we should be preparing and working our way toward that. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for God, his Holy Spirit is in us, is working in us. I, I kind of. Uh, is there anything else? Oh yeah. I, so back in October, we were doing uh, Christian Essentials. I, I I just grabbed a slide from that, that uh, session that I, I gave. Um, and this is from a quote from that that book, I mentioned, marriage: the unique relationship that will exist between Christ and His Church forever. And this is that passage in Ephesians where where uh, Paul is is coaching and and instructing husbands and and wives how they're they're to behave, how they should be toward each other. And he's liking it to Christ in the church. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Two shall become one flesh. So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, left the throne room, left his familiar home, and came to earth. And in coming to earth, he was going to die for his bride, but he was also pursuing his bride. And the gospel ministry has had started uh, after he came. And uh, it says, the two shall become one flesh. You know, that's really pretty good to, th- to think that we're, we're going to be one with Christ. And, and that is also uh, a source of, of comfort for me anyway, as I, as I think about it, as my... Strange mind thinks about it. Uh, because, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, God the Father did something very unloving to the Son. He sent him to the cross. And uh, we're, we're told in, in, in Hebrews chapter 9 that Christ died once for all for the, remission, for the remission of sins. He's going to return, not pertaining to sin, but salvation. God turned his back on the God the Father turned his back on the son once. He's not going to do it again. He's done it. He did it once and that once was enough to cover our sins. And the fact that we're going to be united with with Christ means that, you know, we we do have forgiveness. And when he when he looks upon us, he sees us and and the and the completely righteous holy savior as one. And so we do have that uh, forgiveness, that, that promise of uh, eternal life and to be able to be in his presence. So I, um, is there anything else I have here? Okay. Um, so going back, uh, we were created in God's image. That started out, that was a covenantal relationship. Even though we fell, God is persistent and sovereign in achieving his objective, we are stubborn and sinful and rebellious, and but God, uh, God will judge sin, and He has judged sin. And just as He has uh, kept His word to judge sin, He's going to keep His word uh, uh, to deliver us. And uh, that, you know, He's committed Himself to taking an oath with Himself, and there's no higher person that He could He could uh, take an oath. With two, um, so that's kind of it. Um, I uh, I'm sorry I didn't have any good questions to ask, uh, but at this time, hey, it's an open forum. Anybody wants to add anything or ask anything? Oh, I gave an opening for Teresa. She's she says she's. I told her to come with questions because she always, if you notice, she ha- always has a question. Sometimes they're kind of tough, but. Any, any, any thoughts? Anything that you have gotten out of this, this this study that you'd like to share? Please share. Any, anyone? All right, Teresa. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, Matt, please help me out. No. <laughs> go ahead. No, that was not me. Uh I could have been Rob, or I don't I'm not sure. It really, but go ahead. Really, really oh, okay. You, you, you it helped me anyway to realize that there are men who are in the Bible as characters. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you don't have any tough questions? No. Okay. <laughs> Matt, go ahead, please. I'm going to take a break. Uh, yeah. No, uh, 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 I don't know. I mean, we have a session meeting coming up. I'm sure the topic is going to. We're, we're doing Ephesians next week. Oh, that's right. It that was supposed to be a setup. We're doing Ephesians beginning next week. Oh, we're yeah. We'll oh, will be that study. Uh, it's going to be quick. We've got six weeks between now and summer. There are oh, six chapters in Ephesians. So we are, we are not taking a slow walk. No. Ephesians. We're hopping through pretty quickly. Yep. That'll start next week. But there's some. Very, very good related topics and verses in there to the covenant. So, yeah, that's, that's so we chose next, there, there was a method to what we did. Oh, this is great! This is great. All right. Um, anyone else? Anything? Any any questions? Any thoughts? Really? I I do apologize for. Uh, go ahead, Eric, please. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, yeah it's that's like it was it's, exactly it's, like, a, it's, it's very similar. similar. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like, know, Jesus was about, you know, that's this cup, for me if, if there, there's another way. And it was almost like, like you know, so right? So we're not only sinful, but we're sleepy yeah. and we're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you know what? It's okay because, you know, like I, like it says, uh, you know, we were in, in uh, the loins of Abraham. We were not, we didn't take any vows in that ceremony. God took them. And uh, God, uh, he is faithful. He will surely do it. He is doing it. He's doing it now. He's doing it because, you know, we've been called to salvation. Yep. Uh, anyone else? Okay. We're a little few minutes over. Time for coffee and donuts or whatever we have over there. Let me close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are just overwhelmed and thankful to you. Uh, You are a promise keeper, you're a promise keeper, you're a covenant maker, you're a covenant keeper. And we are thankful that you did not leave us in our fallen state, that you have pursued us as a as a man, a husband, who's pursuing a, a a future wife he loves, and you have been pursuing us, you've been pursuing uh, men throughout uh, history, men and women out of throughout history, uh, to come to salvation, to uh, to be saved, to be uh, members and citizens of your kingdom, and we do look forward to that day, that day of redemption. Uh, when we will be like you and we will see you face to face and yet without fear, without uh, trembling, uh, without being undone in your presence, but because of your cleansing work, we are presentable to you and we'll we'll have eternity to look forward with you. And so Lord, may we be uh, greatly encouraged by your promises, that you keep and that you are keeping and that you will deliver. And uh, we give you thanks for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Is that, oh, I can't. That's the right one. Yeah.